0: I'll make a brand new start of it, in New
1: York. Here's Darnold's throw to the goal line, and Griffin reaches back, and it's a touchdown. Here's St. Quas, Barclay, and here's Saquon Barkley, and he's off to the races, Saquon Drives one to deep center field. Back goes Britson. Takes a look. And it's out of here. Oh, Robinson with a steal. Using the ball in the Down passes. that's Robinson with a thunder dunk. Levert. Back in. Fade.
0: Oh, he's a one man wrecking crew.
1: Pass out to
0: Pinera and he's got some room. Goes in. He's gone. It's time for the Tri-State Sports Beat with your hosts, Nick Federico, Scott DeBell, and Joe Bruno.
2: And welcome back, everyone, to another week of the Tri-State Sports Beat. Nick, Scott, and Joe are here. The full gang is together. Joe is not at the gym while we're recording. He already got a pump, pump in. On. He already got the pump in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are back to actually celebrate a New York football victory. Oh, it's freaking and another, amazing. another just disgrace, but we'll get to that eventually. uh, uh Wow. Victory, and you know what? I've never rooted so hard for the Giants in my life. You, know, you and I on Sunday, wow. you would say like, we,
1: we should have been wearing uh, Giants jerseys for how much we were jumping up and down. Um, yeah. The fact that now New York Football is now a combined one for eleven, gotta be excited for that.
2: Aren't they one for twelve?
1: No, it's one for Another 11, 11,
2: yeah. one and, ele-
1: one and 11 combined. But uh, first of all, congratulations are in order to Joe judge as his first win as a uh, head coach of the New York giants. And for the first win of the season for the giants, congratulations yep. to him. But the New York giants are finally on the board. Thought it was going to take us a, l- a lot more time before we were going to be able to say that, but the giants have defeated the Washington football team, 20 to 19. And yes, we were jumping up and down. We were excited. Um, too bad for me, the Giants didn't cover, so I lost that one, but the Giants got a victory. So that's really all that matters. But to start this game was interesting, guys, because we noticed that Andrew Thomas was not starting at left tackle for the Giants. It was Matt Pert, the rookie out of Yukon, who we think very highly of. So Scott and I, you know, we were over at Scott's house watching the Giants game, watching football all day. And we were like, wow, you know, the Giants must really think highly of Matt Pert because I mean, I mean, whenever he's been in there, he's been playing pretty well. But comes out later on after the game that he that Andrew Thomas violated a team policy for being late to a meeting and um yes that is what you call holding your players accountable good on you Joe Judge but you know Andrew Thomas eventually came in the game played pretty well and uh I don't know why Matt Pert honestly didn't play more because Cam Fleming is just awful I think eventually that they're gonna place Matt Pert in at right tackle because Cam Fleming is just really really bad um But let's talk about this game a little bit. Um, I want to start off with Daniel Jones. Uh, Probably the second best game of the year, besides that Steeler game week one. You know, can we agree agree to that a little bit? I mean, the numbers aren't crazy. 12 for 19, one touchdown, one interception. You know, the Slayton touchdown pass to put them up 10-0 in the first half got us feeling real good. And then, of course, the big 49-yard run and to set up the field goal to go up 13-3, faked out the Fox broadcast, not me, because I have spectacular eyeballs. And I was telling you, Scott, you were like, wow, where's the ball? I go, Daniel has the ball. Daniel has the ball. He's going past the sideline. He's going. He's going. And sure, you know, pulled out the magic wand, and there he goes, Uh, you know, set up the field goal to make it 13-3. So that was a great run. That was a great design run there by Jason Garrett and the offense. But then the big 14-play drive in the second half, uh, you know, they score a touchdown there. Maybe they put this game away. But Daniel throws a horrible interception in the back of the end zone. We were thinking, like, is that really an interception? You know, did he get down all the way? You know, it was confirmed that he did. But the big thing is you know, is there Washington ties the game as a result of that, as that interception. You got to chuck that ball four rows into the stands. I mean, he did the same exact thing in the same exact situation week one against the Steelers. We remember that we credit, we killed him for that, but he does the same thing here. You know, he was trying to throw it away. Maybe he was just trying to float it. I don't know. But bottom line is you can't do that. And, and there are NFL athletes out there, that guy, whoever, whoever it was made the play for that. And that ended up turning the tide a little bit in the game. And, but you just, you can't be doing that red zone mistakes will cost you games. But you know, Dan, other than that, Daniel was running the ball effectively 75, 74 yards on the ground again, leading the giants, Uh, Devontae Freeman had 61 yards, but overall I can't kill Daniel Jones for his performance. I think he played pretty well despite the interception. He didn't fumble, which was great. Um, guys, your thoughts on Daniel Jones's performance?
2: Yeah. I mean, the ball security was definitely a little bit better. Um, like you mentioned that horrible interception. I still think he was trying to throw it to whoever the intended receiver was there. I don't know if he was trying to throw it away. Um, but, you know, ball security issues did seem, like I said, a little bit better on Sunday. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it was, like you said, probably his second-best game of the season. Um, I don't think he even put the ball on the ground once. I uh, don't believe so. That he recovered. So, um, yeah, it's a step in the right direction for Daniel Jones. I don't know if you still have full confidence in him just because it's not like he, you know, lit the world on fire with his performance. and um you know, had that very nice start of Darius Slayton for the touchdown. Um, Evan Ingram is still, like, an anomaly in this offense. Uh, they should be getting Sterling Shepard back for this week, but Darius Slayton, who knows, he could be out this week. Uh, Devontae Freeman, I don't think he really did much. 61 uh, yards he, on the ground. Yeah, so, you know, a decent amount of uh, yards on the ground for Devontae Freeman. Didn't really get involved in the passing game, but – you know, overall the Giants did what they had to do to get the W, and that's all that matters. Is, uh, in the long run, in this NFC East, that is literally horrific. Maybe the worst division all time in football this oh, season. Oh, absolutely,
1: has to be. But I, lucky- I mean, go ahead the,
2: the Eagles could win this division at like six, nine, and one, or like seven, eight, and one.
1: I don't think the Eagles. I think anybody could win this division at at six wins, six, seven wins.
2: Yeah, I don't matter. think any. I don't. What's the lowest amount any team has ever won a division? I wonder.
1: I want to say seven and nine. Seahawks were yeah. that I don't I don't remember ever a hey Joe you a, producer Joe you want to look up that stat maybe while you're sitting there um, what's that one what's the what's the worst record a team has won a yeah. NFL division in right that's probably about what we're looking for yeah. but lucky for Daniel and the Giants offense the defense showed up when they needed them the most they did give up 251 passing yards to Kyle Allen who really isn't any good but the play of the game Mister Irrelevant Tay Crowder who I didn't even know who he was. I don't think anybody knew who he was before the game started a scoop and score touchdown off the Kyle Allen fumble, made it 20 to three. And this is where Scott and I leaped off of his couch and started screaming like little girls because we never wanted the giants to win more than we did that day. You know, it all started with the Kyler Fackrell pressure, great pressure, you know, by the giants defensive line on Kyle Allen to force him to make that young quarterback mistake. And, you know, I think, Kyler Fackrell right now has been the Giants' best defensive player outside of James Bradbury. You could say Blake Martinez, too. But Fackrell's just been rolling around the ball for these past couple weeks. Um, Unfortunately, the Giants' defense, once they had the lead, got back on the field, they let Washington go down the field and score a touchdown. But Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron, decides he's going to – put his offense back out there and go for two and go for the win. And you know what, say what you want about that call, but the Giants defense held on and when, you know, in the biggest spot.
2: Yeah. They, I think it's, you know, really interesting to look at this team and the defense was the, the part where we thought was going to struggle with this team this season. We thought the offense is going to be able to put up points pretty consistently, but it's been the other way around. I mean, Blake Martinez, we weren't sure what he was going to offer this team. Um, you know, coming into the year after the free agent signing by Dave Gettleman, but you know he's been a he's been rock solid for the Giants on defense at that middle linebacker position, and you know, cra- who would have thought you know, or it's crazy to think what they could be without him, and then you look at uh, Bradbury too, um, he's been just fantastic for them. He's turning into a lockdown corner.
1: I mean, uh, you could say kind of was a lockdown corner last year and. Carolina, that's why the Giants gave him all that money. But I, and now I need to address Giant fans for a second because can we be effing happy that they won a game? Like, you won a game, and believe it or not, the Giants are still in the race for the NFC Least. Like, <laughs> be happy. Stop worrying about tanking for Trevor Lawrence. It's nonsense. Daniel Jones, I firmly believe. Others will disagree with me. I believe that Daniel Jones will be here next year and will be the Giants quarterback going forward. But can we stop with the tanking for Trevor nonsense? Leave that to the Jet fans, please. Leave that for us in our misery. Don't poop on our party, okay? Stop worrying about that. Daniel Jones is going to be the guy this year. He's going to be the guy next year. So be happy that you freaking actually won a game. I understand you want – the Giants fans want a good draft pick or whatever. They're at this crossroads in the season where should they go for wins? Should they go for tanking? But this division is still winnable at this current state. Like you said before, Scott, this division could be won with six wins, six, seven wins. It's not too crazy to see, especially what the Cowboys did uh, last night against the – or what they didn't do last night against the Cardinals, putting up, what, 10 points? Granted, you want to – You want to tell me they're playing Andy Dalton? I praised Andy Dalton this week, and he did not show me any confidence. But, hey, I'm not a Dallas Cowboy fan, so I don't really care. But they got the Eagles this week, which, you know what? I'll give them a shot against. Granted, the Eagles came back, you know, within two against the Baltimore Ravens last week. But I'll give them a shot. If they win, if they beat the Eagles and win two straight, they're looking at first place or a game out of first place in the division. So it may be a stretch, but – be happy, Giants fans, that you won a game. Be happy.
0: A <laughs> little fact check on the uh, the worst team to to make the playoffs. Uh, it was actually Nick's second favorite team, the Seattle Seahawks, in yes. 2010, seven and nine. Seven right? and nine. Okay. Seven and nine.
2: All right. Did they win the division though, or did they just make it as a wild card team?
0: It says they it they made the playoffs. That's all nice. I could find. You remember, do you you know what their seed was? Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. There's another one that says the four worst division winners in league history. And that was, that's
1: uh, the seed. I had a a feeling that was it, but I don't know if something happened, you know, in the 1960s or 70s. I don't know. But you're spot on. That's what I thought it was. Yes, Matt Hasselbeck and Marshawn Lynch. That's when, you know, the Seahawks really started to get a name for themselves. But. I'll get, but what do you guys think about this game next week, the Giants and the Eagles? It's in Philly, but I, for me, I got to give the Giants a chance here. I understand Philly came within two a beat Baltimore and made it almost a really big comeback, but
0: I got to give the Giants a shot here. Absolutely, I'm giving I'm giving the Giants a shot simply because this division is abysmal, like you guys have been saying. Like they'll have some good weeks, like the Eagles did against Baltimore, but then they'll have games like the Cowboys did last week, where they could barely put up points against granted Arizona's come to be this season, a pretty good football team, but still only putting up 10 points and coming into the season being one of the best teams, supposedly one of the best teams in the league. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. So I give any team out in this division credit for anything that they do. And at the same time, Giants may be at the bottom of the standings right now, but absolutely they have a shot to do something against uh the Eagles. You
2: know the Eagles are one of the, you know, most banged up teams in the entire league. I mean, you look at Zach Ertz, he's now on IR, or not on know not on IR yet, but he's uh out for at least three weeks. You have Miles Sanders who is also hurt, so Boston Scott is gonna start at running back for them. Uh, they have a banged-up offensive line. I mean, they're not, their wide receiver number one right now is Travis Fulgham. If you came into the season and you could tell me who Travis Fulgham is, tell you. you're, not a, you're not an Eagles fan. Like, props to you. But, you know, they have Greg Ward throwing the ball too, and, you know, Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson are still out. Who knows when they'll come back, and who knows what kind of impact they'll make when they come back anyway. I mean, Deshaun Jackson, I think, played one or two games this season and was pretty irrelevant in their offense. So, I I think, you know, if Carson Wentz has one of the games where, you know, people are questioning if he's a franchise quarterback or not, I think the Giants definitely have a shot here. But, you know, with the way their defense has been playing, um, I'm going to give them a shot no matter what. I think they're going to be in this. uh, Whether they pull it out in Philadelphia, I don't know. Uh, But I think it'll be a close game.
1: I mean, they are going up against a better offense, say what you want about Washington's offense, but Philly is a better offense than Washington.
2: You could almost Terry. say that Washington has uh better weapons than, or at least one better weapon than Terry McLaurin. Terry yeah, McLaurin are, would be the number one wide receiver on the Eagles right now.
1: Yeah. And I guess you could give me uh JD McKissick, Gibson, Dontrell Inman, maybe, I mean, Logan Thomas, former college quarterback turned tight end. Uh, he two touchdowns, didn't he? Uh, one, one touchdown. One touchdown. It was a very nice catch. I gotta give it to him there. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I'll get – will i def, I'm definitely going to give the Giants a chance here, especially because, you know, what it, what it can do for a team when you just win one game, finally get win number one out of the way, what it can do for a team is like wonders. So we could see a completely new Giants team coming into Philly next week or we could see what we've been seeing for the past six weeks.
2: Not sure. I, I mean, I think Joe Judge has um, allowed us to trust him in the fact that he's going to have his team prepared going into Philadelphia. He's going to have them playing hard. And uh, I also think that um, it was important that he showed his team what he did to Andrew Thomas. I think Jabril Peppers said yesterday that it was actually a good thing that, you know, he did what he did to Andrew Thomas because it shows that, you know, they have to be accountable for their actions and nothing's going to slide here. And, you know, the Giants really haven't had that kind of head coach since Tom Coughlin. Ben McAdoo and Pat Shermer really weren't you know, the most hard-nosed, strict head coaches. You know, Joe Judge is coming in here to change that culture and, you know, make it a strict locker room, make sure that these guys are following the rules, even if it's just for, you know, being on time for a meeting. That's a big deal in this organization again, and uh, I think that's going to work wonders for this uh, franchise going forward. I mean, we said it too when Joe Judge was hired and he had his introductory press conference. You know, we wish he was the Jets head coach because I think he – had maybe the best introductory press conference that you could have based on the things he said, uh, you know, based on his demeanor, you know, when they hired him, we were like, who the heck is this guy? Like what, who are they hiring? And, you know, he's quickly, you know, made giants fans pretty happy with his comments. And, you know, I think that they should trust him because, you know, he's not the offensive coordinator. Jason Garrett has been a little shaky this year in his play calling. Um, and I guess, you know, Joe judge could, um you know, say some things to him. But if I was Joe Judge, I I don't think I'd be talking to Jason Garrett that much, you know, criticizing him. I'd be more looking for help considering Jason Garrett has been, you know, what you consider, you know, successful or not. He's been a pretty successful head coach in the NFL, granted in the regular season, maybe not. He's been, a
1: head, he's been a head coach, period. So any experience yeah. can go a long way.
2: Yeah, and he's won football games and, you know, probably the most looked at franchise in the entire league. So, you know, he knows how to get it done in high – Um, pressure situations, which New York is, New York's a tough place to come to for your first head coaching job. And I think it's huge for Joe Judge that he has Jason Garrett there, even though, you know, Jason Garrett's been a little shaky in his play calling this year, Um, maybe not putting Daniel Jones in the best scenarios to succeed. But uh, I I have full confidence in Joe Judge. If he was the Jets head coach and we were, you know, 0-6, I would still be optimistic because, you know, at least this team's going to play hard. It's almost like Todd Bowles in his last season. We yeah, weren't the greatest football team, but at least this team tried and you know played you know played their hearts out on the field for Todd Bowles. Um, granted, you can say whatever you want. I mean, I think we take Todd Bowles back in a second. In the fact what he's doing in Tampa Bay right now, I think he deserves a second you know jab at a head coaching wow. uh, job.
1: Who thought you'd be saying that?
2: I mean, <laughs> he he did exactly what Adam Gase did not. Adam Gase got fired, and he did not have a chance to you know reflect and think about the things that he needed to learn and improve on to be a head coach in this league. He went from the freaking dolphins firing him to getting a job right away thinking, oh, you know, what I'm doing is working. I don't need to change anything because I just got a head coaching job right away. Todd Bowles has been a successful defensive coordinator. Granted, I'll even say one of the best defensive coordinators in the league the past two seasons. you are not wrong. Look at what he just did to one of the best quarterbacks of all time in Aaron Rodgers, the other day. He shut him down to 10 points and made him look mediocre. I think Todd Bowles is a fantastic defensive coordinator, and I think we've always said that too. When he was, you know, done coaching the Jets, or uh, no one was taking that away from him. It's not like Adam Gase, where you say, "Oh, he's a great offensive coordinator; he's just not a good head coach." Adam Gase is not a good anything. Todd Bowles is a great defensive coordinator. He just maybe wasn't the best head coach, but I, I honestly think he might have earned another, uh, you know, at least some consideration for another head coaching job in the near future. Do you have thoughts you want to share? Have questions, comments, or hot takes surrounding the world of New York sports? We want to hear from you, so give us a call on the new 24-7 Tri-State Sports Beat fan line. Call our new toll-free number at 862-260-4315 and leave us a voicemail with your questions and comments so you can be heard on that week's episode of the Tri-State Sports Beat. Again, that's 862-260-4315. We can't wait to hear from you, New York sports fans. All right, so I guess we're segueing into the New York
1: Jets because uh, you know, Scott, you're on a tangent, so you might as well uh, might as well continue. Uh, but we have to say we're a little optimistic about the Giants going into Week Seven against the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, boys, time for yelling and screaming like we do every other week. The New York it's Jets even worth are, yelling and screaming? It's it's yeah. really not. It's really not. But we're gonna go back to you know earlier in the week. We haven't discussed this yet, so let's discuss. There was the rumors going around that the New York Jets were shopping Le'Veon Bell. And uh, whether you thought the Jets were going to get anything for him, whatever. Uh, Apparently, Joe Douglas called every team under the sun. No team was stupid enough to take on Le'Veon's contract. So we get the notification, and it is this. After having conversations with Le'Veon and his agent and exploring potential trade options over the past couple of days, we have made the decision to release Le'Veon. The Jets organization appreciates Le'Veon's efforts during this time here, and we know he's worked hard to make significant contributions to this team. We believe this decision is in the best interest of both parties, and we wish him future success, especially in two weeks against us. That's not in there, but that's what it is. <laughs> so, the, so the Jets cut Le'Veon Bell. Um, The story goes that he had a $2.5 million signing bonus coming up. So I guess the Jets didn't really want to pay that. And fun fact, Le'Veon in 17 games with played with the Jets made $28 million. So highway robbery, as you would say for Le'Veon Bell. So good for him. Good for him. Made his bank, did what he had to do. I get it. Of course, you know, we were big advocates of this signing when it first, you know, when it first came out last year, it just, didn't work out you know we've been talking About how Gase is The Gase and Le'Veon's relationship has Never has never been good from the start And I don't care You know I don't care what is said I don't care what Gase says anymore about oh You know the relationship was good it was never Good it was doomed from the beginning This didn't succeed because you know Adam Gase is pig-headed and Stubborn and thinks his offense is The best thing since sliced bread And you know couldn't find a trade Partner I get it but Again, the New York Jets choose a fan favorite. I mean, choose Adam Gase over a fan favorite yet again. Cut your most talented offensive player when the Jets are starving for offensive talent at this point in the season. But no, we're good. We're going to cut them. We're going to part ways. You know what? Good for Le'Veon. Ball out with Mahomes in Kansas City. Go win a damn Super Bowl. Go under a real good head coach. Tank is on for the Jets. Comments.
2: I hope he goes for two fifty and like three touchdowns against us. He was literally – he people, you know, when we signed Le'Veon Bell, people were very quick to say, Oh, he's gonna ruin this locker room, he's gonna be toxic in this locker room, he's not gonna fit in. He was a freaking class act. He was an angel in this locker room. There's a reason why he became a fan favorite. And And a
0: captain, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. No, he wasn't a captain. No, not I thought he was this year. I guess would have never chosen to be. I don't think so. Um, but
2: it, it was just, it's just really unfortunate to the way that it, you know, panned out for him here. I think we all had aspirations or huge, uh, dreams of him coming in here and being the dominant running back that, uh, he was in Pittsburgh. I, I think it's pretty evident, though, that that time off kind of, you know, made him not the same running back that he was in, in, in Pittsburgh. Um, But I'm excited to see what he can do in Kansas City. I thought, you know, as a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire owner in fantasy, I also have (laughs) Le'Veon on the same team, so that's going to be fun to watch. But, um, yeah, I I echo everything you said. I hope he goes on and has some success there. I mean, no ill will towards Le'Veon. He didn't really say anything like thanking Jets fans or anything like that, which is kind of upsetting, but...
0: I really um, don't blame I don't blame him. I can't blame honestly, him. Honestly, I think I really he's just, I think he's still sour about it. And and I would be. I too, would I mean, be. This but why was against his, fans? This was like, his, the fans this was, was, I don't think he's got any
1: I don't think he I don't just don't think I think I there's think a, a lot of fans. Anything.
0: I think there's a lot of fans out there that are like well kind of sucked with us like yeah, yeah you was not his you fault. Right. No, 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 I and I comp- we completely get it. It's some fan. I know a few people that are Jets fans and they they they're kind of like the same way and I'm like it really like what are you supposed to do? Like we have an yeah. offensive line that's trash. We have an offensive guru that's doesn't know what he's doing. But it, it, it kind of sucks because like he was a Jets fan growing up. He was the one of the very few NFL caliber players that wanted to be on the Jets this offseason. Well, I think the past, Jets were the only two pass off seasons. So the Jets
2: were the only team that offered him a contract that they would have paid him what he wanted.
0: Yeah, but Although, I believe the Ravens. I believe the too. He I mean, was still Ravens, excited don't. to be here, and he was a Jets fan growing up. Like that's like a kid's dream is to play for their favorite team growing up. So like, like, like I said, it's just everything that happened these past few weeks is this past season, two seasons has just been ridiculous. And Listen, it's, it really is a joke.
2: Before we before we get to the game, which I. What is there even to talk about in the game? Like <laughs> the fact that Tua, Tua got his Tua. uh got his uh debut and eventually the Jets, you know, propelled him to start. I I have a feeling that understand. was always going to be the case no matter yeah. what happened because he played four snaps and he now he's naming he's can play, he can play he played two passes. Two for two. Yeah, like 100% <sighs> against the it's Jets. Just, it's just very <laughs> odd to me that they're abandoning Fitzpatrick this early. Because they're three and three, they're you know especially with the Bills losing last night, they're right there for a playoff spot. Which you know, who would have thought the Dolphins would be at this point in the season? Uh, but, um, oh, I, I lost completely. Lost my train of thought after that tangent. Um, depending on how this season goes, Adam Geese could be looked at as the savior of this franchise. The Jets have hit so low, they might even be below rock bottom, that they are forced to just do things differently. And if Adam Geese, an Adam Gase-led team, brings this team Trevor Lawrence, who turns into whatever great quarterback you want to compare him to, which is I think is unfair at this point. You can't com- go comparing, you know, you could say he's a generational talent or whatever, but if you want to say, oh, he's going to be the next, like, Brett Farf Like, Yeah, that's just unfair to the kid. But if Adam Gase, as much as I hate him, and I don't want to get any flack for this because if you really think about it, it could be true. If Adam Gase tore this franchise down so far that they were forced to restart it and build it up from the bottom, we're going to look back and be like, wow, Adam Gase really made the chats good. But the fact that. You're not wrong. I don't know. Connor Hughes keeps saying, oh, Christopher Johnson wants this franchise to win so bad, he uh, goes home and is demoralized every night after watching what the Jets put out on the field. What has he shown us to believe that that's true? Why
1: would would I believe that when this is the guy that you hire in the first place? Granted, he doesn't know anything about football, but any good boss does a background check on their employees that they hire.
2: Okay, well, this is – this isn't mainly Mike Mcagnan thing, and in fact, oh, yeah. Christopher Johnson did the right thing in the first place of firing Mike Mcagnan with Todd Bowles. We probably wouldn't be in this scenario. Hmm. But exactly, I think Mike Mcagnan and Peyton Manning sold Christopher Johnson a bag of goods or whatever the heck it's uh, magic whatever, beans. Yeah, whatever magic the beans. saying is, sold him a bag of goods in and. The fact that we listened to Pete Manning in the first place, a guy who worked to play for this franchise, and go screw. Um, but he was sold a Bag of goods by Mike McCann, who was clearly an awful GM. I mean, the fact that you have this conversations comparing John Itzik and Mike and that just shows you the kind of GM Mike McCann was. Christian Hackenberg. But I don't I don't know. I mean this is this is the last chance Christopher Johnson gets because he wants, you know, people to think like, oh, this isn't Woody. This is, you know, a different, different thing. Like what, what if Woody comes back here after in January, after, you know, he's back from England and not an ambassador anymore, then what happens? Like this could turn into a, a trash can again. Like Dweenie, Christopher Johnson needs to be in the meeting. So I understand we're not, he's not going to not be in them because he needs to make the final, you know, sign off on the thing. But on on the on the dotted line to hire the coach or whatever, but this needs to be ninety-five percent Joe Douglas and five percent Christopher Johnson, you know, just sitting there giving because he's gonna give an opinion. Yeah. But, you know, this needs to be a ninety-five percent or higher Joe Douglas, you know, led search. And who they bring in, I, I don't know, because there's not really, you know, like a people are saying, oh, let's trade for Sean Payton and get his contract or buy his what? Why has that always been a talking point for the Jets? Even when they were, you know, talking about bringing Adam Gase or before that, or bringing the, everyone's like, oh, you could just trade for Sean Payton. What? Why are people just throwing this out there? That is just not even a realistic possibility.
1: Well, because they're delusional.
2: I mean, <laughs> like, what do you trade a first-round pick for Sean Payton? Like,
1: you, tra- you trade for players, not for coaches. I mean, I
2: mean, probably. technically, we did trade Bill Belichick.
1: Yeah, but again, what did they do? What did the Jets do with that draft pick?
2: <laughs> I don't know. What did they, What kind of pick I, did the Jets I get for him? Don't,
1: I don't know. Could not tell producer you, Joe. Yeah, producer Joe, look at look up.
2: at the Bill Belichick uh, Jets Patriots trade and see what the Patriots <laughs> see what the Jets got for him. But before we get, go ahead, Scott. Go ahead. You're not done. The luckiest man on the planet right now, Steve freaking McCoy. Oh my god, Absolutely. luckiest luckiest guy on the planet. Absolutely. He didn't even he didn't even hesitate to get out of the Jets. He literally got a car from Miami and drove to Tampa Bay. Didn't Mm -hmm. even come home with the Jets. Just said, I'm out of here. See
1: you. I don't blame him. You can't blame him. either. either. But let's talk about uh, Gase's comments and the comments that were made during the week before we get to the game. You know, Gase on Le'Veon, when he was questioned if he felt he used Le'Veon incorrectly while Le'Veon was still here, his response was, it's irrelevant. Uh, Okay. That's great. But then he continues to say that douche. he is a douche, that he will continue to call the plays after they said they explored <laughs> all options. Okay. Oh. okay, So that means Adam sat in a closet by himself and said, should I call the plays? Should
2: I not call the plays? I think I'll call the plays. He also and- said that him giving up the play calling is step 10, and they're only on step two.
1: Oh, unbelievable.
2: Step two. What are steps three through nine.
1: Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think he knows. At this point, I don't oh. think he knows. But, like, was he – like, if we really thought for a second he was going to give a play calling duties, stop it. Stop that right now. And then this is the thing I have the most issue with. It's not even the Greg Williams thing, which we'll get to in a second. The fact that Dowell Loggins speaks to the media baffles me. <laughs> he said, he basically said that play calling is not the issue. Dowell, why are you even talking to – why are you even standing up there, dude?
2: Shut just shut up, you app, you donut. He serves do he no to, purpose. Do you think he needs a box to stand over the podium? Yes.
1: He it it like I know I joke that Dowel Loggins is my spirit animal because he's short and throws a football really far, but like he serves no purpose. Any one of us could do Dowel Loggins' job. Like imagine being the coffee boy. For the ultimate coffee boy. Like what? being Adam Gase's coffee boy who was the coffee boy for Peyton Manning.
2: Like Imagine being Adam Gase's coffee boy.
1: Unbelievable. That's what Dawa, that's days. what Dowell Loggins is. That's what he is. But Dowel Log just shut up. Just shut your mouth. You go out the door with Adam Gase, too. And then Greg Williams, of course, which makes all the freaking headlines this week. The defense isn't great but it's not all on us uh you know he's not wrong but uh, definitely not wrong. he's definitely not wrong but definitely taking a shot at Adam Gase, which I'm all here for other I think people don't, honestly other people I think, don't like
0: that I God. think Greg Williams is sour about uh Jamal Adams getting traded I, t- sure. I still think he is I don't blame especially him. after especially after the trade and and the comments that came out from him mm-hmm. saying that he can't wait to be rejoined with him I I think that's that's huge I still think that's Something he's unsettled about. But I am
1: shocked that Greg Williams was not fired yesterday. Shocked that he was not let go after this 24 to nothing debacle of the Miami Dolphins. So let's
0: get to this now. I've got the trade if you want to hear the trade. Go ahead, please. New England sent the 16th overall pick in the 22,000 dra- uh, 20- draft plus fourth round and seventh round for 2020, uh, 2001. Jesus. Uh, in exchange for Belichick, a 2001 fifth round pick and a 2002 seventh round pick, the Jets so, ended up with Sean Ellis, Jamie Henderson and James Reed.
1: All right. So, I mean, the Jets benefited a little bit from the Sean Ellis aspect of it, but I wouldn't say that they won the trade.
2: <laughs> Definitely not. You could have taken freaking Peyton Manning and he still wouldn't have won the trade.
1: No. Well, yeah, interesting. I did not know. They really end up with Sean Ellis. But this twenty-four nothing debacle in Miami Gardens the other night—first uh, of all, two for seventeen on third down just does
0: not get it done. <laughs> that was laughable. I was, <laughs> I was, I was honestly hoping for no third down I I was
2: Jets. <laughs> Both teams were combined zero for twenty on third down at one point.
0: Yep. <laughs> uh,
2: but geez, then, but the then. Dolphins- th- Fitz didn't even convert a third down. Tua converted the first third down for the Dolphins of the game in like the last four minutes of the freaking football game. Yep. You you hear a really bad thing about this game? I have to to find the the tweet from Brian Costello very quickly, but it it just shows you how bad the Jets are. Okay, here it is. The Jets had 13 more plays than the Dolphins, led them in time of possession, and won the turnover battle – and still lost by twenty four. Yep, they had the ball more and couldn't even put up a field goal. Joe Flacco took a twenty eight yard sack.
0: Can we talk about Flacco and how he just looked like he did not want to be on the field?
1: Can you blame him has though? Has I don't want to be on the. F- I wouldn't <laughs> want to be on the field for him. Oh yeah, I don't. Like I can't blame another,
2: him. He ain't getting another backup or a quarterback job after this mess. The Jets are ruining players before our eyes. Who's going to want any of these players other than Jameson Crowder? He's the only guy we throw the freaking football to. Let's wait till Denzel Mims comes. One reception, five yards, and he's going to, like, twist an ankle and be done. Great.
1: But then we get to the criminal – that is that Lamichael P Ryan is now the backup running back and touched the ball only nine times, while the ageless wonder, forty-year-old Frank Gore, touched the ball fifteen times.
2: He outsnapped Frank Gore and still touched the ball less than the dinosaur. How does that, but that
1: happen? But Frank Gore is now the Jets' number one option on
0: offense. And also I, honestly, I Johnson looked pretty good.
2: Oh yeah, and then he didn't play.
0: <laughs>
1: the guy goes get... on for a
0: thirty-five yard run and don't play. I'm pretty well, sure that was the longest play of our entire like. I think that's the longest. In... That's gonna be a I great know. trivia question.
2: Well, no, I think Sam's run was longer, but that was the uh, longest okay. yep. running back rush for the Jets in like two seasons. It's gonna be that a great Ty Johnson, a guy we picked up off waivers last week. He he, Average, he averaged 14 yards, <laughs> and then he doesn't play. But the, <laughs> honestly, the worst Adam Gates quote of all time might have been this: that he didn't
1: oh, want yeah. to
2: hurt Lamichael Ryan's confidence after he dropped the football on that wheel route. He's an NFL football player. If he gives if his, if his
0: confidence
2: is ruined from dropping a football? Maybe he should not be playing in the NFL.
0: Like dude, he's dude. an idiot. He really... oh my god.
2: He's 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 a moron. Yeah. And this these two games, these two games completely show that quarterback is not the issue on this team.
1: Oh, absolutely. We knew that already. We knew that before these past two games.
2: Yeah, yeah. But the the only reason why we're moving on from Sam and like let, let's be honest here, if the if the Jets, you know, um win like two games, don't get the number one overall pick and can't pick Trevor Lawrence. We still have a quarterback here that we don't know what he is because he's been playing under a moron for two Mm -hmm. seasons and wait under Jeremy Bates, who is like three quarters of the moron that Adam Gase is in his rookie season. And Jeremy Jeremy. (laughs) ineptitude. <laughs> Granted, Jeremy Bates
1: was living in the mountains before before he was coaching the offense for the Jets.
2: We have the two guys in NF We have the the, the uh, two biggest fans of bubble screens in the NFL oh, history never, as our two offensive coordinators for Sam Donald. Never seen anything like it. Never we, seen anything like Adam, it. Adam and then Adam. Oh, we want to spread the field. We want to get P Ryan involved. He spreads the field for two plays in the first drive and doesn't throw the ball more than 5 or 10 yards for the entire rest of the game. If Pierre <laughs> if Perryman doesn't stop running there, we'll probably have a touchdown on our first play from offense like on offense. But no, we can't try anymore. It didn't work on one play, no more. No more, no more. No more.
1: And then the cream of the crop was Joe Douglas being shown on the CBS broadcast like
0: someone pissed in his Cheerios because, like. I, re- I honestly, I thought Gase was gone. I thought Gase so was gone when he, when he had So his phone did I. Out, when, he, when he had his phone out, I was like, yes, yes. And then we get the, uh, he's, the he's notification McClendon's gone. Fun. I'm like, <laughs> out. What, are you, what are you doing? Turns out he was talking to Tampa Bay. <laughs> oh. You
2: know, Gase said after, or uh, on Monday, that. Uh, there's no fire sale going on. That's BS. He's that's gonna BS. trade. Joe Douglas is gonna trade whoever he can. Does but, he?
1: I, does he not know like anything that's going on within the Jets organization? Like, does he? Joe Douglas? No, Adam Gase. Like, oh. if he like, I know he's probably just supposed to say things, but like, like the, the answers to some of his questions uh, to the freaking media. Oh, I'll have to look the tape. Oh, uh, I don't really know. And what I saw post game, well, he's got. He's got to look at the tape
0: because he's not watching the game because he's always looking at the stupid (laughs) sheep! oh my god (laughs) and then and then of course like besides the whole joe
1: douglas thing this the narrative that uh, that gase and greg williams are exchanging words on the sideline pre-game of course that's the whole topic of the whole freaking game and now the new york jets are on pace for the worst point differential in nfl history they're doubled i think it's at like 110 they are double then I think the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are like fifty-seven or something like that, I might be wrong, but and then after this game, of course they trade a team leader in Steve McClendon for a 6 round pick. He's a lucky mother effer because I wish the Jets would trade me. I wish the Jets would release me from fandom because yeah, every this is just on that
2: the, roster. Wish they'd get traded.
1: Oh my god! But the but uh, not so. This is not so much the game, but like. Joe, you brought up the point you thought he was going to get fired. I was like, yes, this has to happen after this game. But no, we're going to keep the brilliant head coach. It's only perfect time to fire him because leave him in Miami where he began his whole stupid head coaching career. And then how do you keep this guy after a thumping by a rebuilding team? The fans fans that are left watching these games, which are Scott, uh, me, and Joe, I don't know how many other Jeff fans are actually still watching the games, but the fans that are still watching these games are looking at the TV and they're numb. Scott, I was at your house watching the game. You are on your phone most of the time trying to watch this game. There's nothing to watch. And I'm just blankly staring at the TV. I don't even know what I'm looking at anymore, but this is what we come to expect. Now, this is it. We got excited over a, but pick in garbage time already down twenty four nothing, and if you're and if you're picking your butt, you may find Adam Gase's play sheet
2: because it's crap, it's shit. And then of course he had to uh, do the whole sit on the bench while his defense oh is on the God. field, uh, playing tic tac toe with himself in um, that stupid you know packet of papers he has that probably you know who knows what's on there. But the fact that you know Greg Williams, what he said, you know probably is unprofessional, and you probably can't say that and. But he is completely right. What he, His team made up 24 points. Granted, he had, the, the defense hasn't been great this whole season, they, especially the first quarter on Sunday that they were just freaking, you know, shelled. But they gave up a field goal in the second half, and that was it. You know, they forced a lot of three and outs. You know, they rebounded off a, uh, off a uh, brutal, you know, first quarter. They forced two turnovers. The Brian Poole pick, that was a nice play at the, uh, right before halftime. Then, of course, the butt interception. Uh, for Marcus May that bless Austin almost you know knocked out of his behind um but like what is he supposed to do like Adam Gase can't even get a first down from this team on offense let alone score some points i mean how many times has this team in field goal range and they got knocked out like three times like the 28 yard sack uh penalties uh probably more sacks um interception it, it's it's horrible it is abysmal
1: But bottom line, boys, you know, everybody knows this already. This coach is just a broken man. Like, the media is killing him, peppering him with all these hard questions, and he can't answer a single one. He might as well just stand up there and be like, I got nothing for you guys. I really don't know. But, like, Christopher Johnson, again, if you love Adam Gase and think that highly of him, do your team, do him, and do us a favor and fire him, put him out of his misery. Because I don't think he even wants to be here anymore. And can you blame him? No, because it's all his fault anyway. But but they won't because they don't care, and they love being losers. If I, I, I love, Con, I love uh, our boy Connor Hughes over at The Athletic, but like, if I have to hear him one more time say that Christopher Johnson really wants to win, show me. Show me. Put a playoff mandate. Put a mandate on the coach. Say, I want to make the playoffs. I expect this team to win and make the playoffs. Don't stand up there with a sheet that friggin' Hyman Dingbo- Dingleberry friggin' types up for you just so you can mm-hmm. read it to the media and not believe what you say. Oh, my. Like, bulk, like the fact that the media is trying to sell, a, sell the fans – that Christopher Johnson actually wants to win? Stop it. Stop that. Get some help, please. But, like, there's only so much more we can say about this historically bad Jet team.
0: Grant and then
1: that they play the freaking Bills next week. Yippity doo da. Let's lose by 60.
0: We, lost, we just know. We lost no. the Dolphins by 24. I can't even imagine what we lose by against just, the
2: Bills. Right, let's look two weeks ahead. What is the spread going to be for the Chiefs game? Twenty-three. 21. The highest nice. spread ever was twenty. Was twenty-eight points. Twenty-three. Well, this well, this spread might pass that.
0: Forty-two. <laughs> I changed my answer. <laughs> this,
2: this might be a Clemson-like spread here.
0: Like, what are the? Uh, I feel like Clemson would beat us. Absolutely, they would. That'd spank us. I think Georgia Tech would beat us. I wouldn't go that far. I would. <laughs> Alabama, Alabama would beat us. Oh yeah,
2: yeah.
1: oh yeah.
0: Georgia? Uh, Georgia, I don't know if uh, Stinson,
2: Georgia. What's the What's the kid's name?
0: Tulane would beat us. Stenson Stenson Bennett.
2: <laughs> yeah, we might be able to contain him. Oh my god! But our corners would still get torched. But, yeah, it... well, I hate coming on here every week and just fucking bla- and blasting this team. Like I just, let's be honest, yeah. they're gonna be like zero thirteen. And the Falcons are going to trade away, like, Matt Ryan, Julio. Like, they're going to they're going to clear ship, not win another game here. And the Jets are going to go, like, 1-15 or 2-14 and and completely screw themselves. They're going to win some dumb games. Or, like, Bill, I was thinking about this before because I'm, you know, sick in the head. Bill Belichick, we played the Patriots the last week of the season, right?
0: Mm, yeah. Beliche- oh. Belichick throws the
2: game. You be- yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Belichick's going to throw the game so we don't get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Uh... So we throw the so we throw the game even harder. Yeah, it,
0: that will not happen. You know that will. Heard happen. the Jets are all in on tanking for Trevor.
1: That's listen. Listen. Says. If the Jets don't get the number 1 overall
2: pick, the season's just, you know, the worst of all time.
1: Well, it's all it's all about it's all about how you look at it.
2: No, it's the worst of all time.
1: Because the, I know I know Scott, I know you've Hammered now on the Trevor Lawrence bandwagon, but like, is it the worst thing in the world if we get a new head coach in here with Sam and maybe some weapons from the draft? That's what I that'll was That'll be his say. third system already in four All right. years. Well, Baker has four different systems in four years.
2: Yeah. And how's that looking for him right now?
1: They look did better than he, us. He were, did they they have, have wins.
2: Yeah. On Sunday, did Baker look better? Well, not on Sunday, but the two weeks before that. And they he looked le- better 11- overall. Back- He's he's had 11 career games with multiple interceptions.
0: And we Sam can't stay the on the day, and, and Sam can't stay on the field. I was going to say, has Sam even played 11 games? He's 11
2: and six. He's 11 and 19 as a starter. But we were talking about it the other day. We went through every team about who would take Trevor Lawrence. The Browns <laughs> were definitely one of them. Yeah. If the if they got can, the number one overall pick. If the Browns were in contention for Trevor Lawrence, they'd move on from Baker Mayfield. Sure, but you could say that but, for a lot of teams too. Let's not be honest that the the, the, the three systems or four systems that Baker's been in, let's not act like it hasn't hurt him because it's not like he's, you know, looked like a world beater. But he's looked the best under Stefanski. He's had some good games, but, like, I think this Steelers game just showed you where this Browns team still is.
1: But, again, the Browns did the right thing in getting talent for
2: Baker. It's just what Baker
1: can or can't do with it is the
2: the problem. Yeah, the fact that, you know, he has – two very good wide receivers. He has the highest paid tight end in the league. He has two very good running backs on the healthy, and Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. That's and what I'm still looks inconsistent.
0: That's what I'm saying, yeah, we knew We That's knew what... Baker was going to be a, a risk for any team that took him. True. Darnold was supposed to be the guy. Yeah. He was supposed to be the safe, the safest oh, pick. But but we can't say if he is or isn't the guy because of what the it, Jets it, haven't done. Correct. That's that's mm. what I'm. That's what I'm trying to say is we don't know what Darnold can or can't be yet because Adam Gase is a lunatic. It, is ruining it.
1: Like I'm not. Uh, the idea of Trevor Lawrence is so cool, and you know would be nice to have the most generational generational quarterback since Andrew Luck. But like. I'm not ready to give up on Sam yet.
0: And how is he going to look behind our offensive line? What do you mean? How is Trevor Lawrence going to look behind the Jets' offensive line? I don't know. Because any quarterback with generational talent will still get mucked around by defensive end, defensive lines. So,
1: yeah, I mean, let's not lie to ourselves. We love that we we love the idea of Trevor Lawrence. Like, if the Jets get the number one pick, they're picking Trevor Lawrence. But also you got to think about the fact that if they get the two or three pick, they're not taking a quarterback. Like if they, if they were to be stupid enough to take Justin Fields or any other, the, the top quarterback prospects, then that just puts an indictment on Sam that they really just don't like Sam. we we can't say we can't case if Gase is still around. We can't say that that's an indictment on Sam just for them picking Trevor Lawrence, but I'm, I'm still holding out on Sam. If they don't pick, if they don't pick Trevor Lawrence, and I could
2: see this too. If they have the number one overall pick and they trade out, I could see it. We would we would be the biggest laughingstock in the history of the NFL if we traded out of the number one pick. And but could you see because, that happening
1: though? Yeah. Absolutely. No, I could. I could. I, I don't.
2: I really don't think so. If you go zero sixteen, and Sam still plays f- thirteen games. And you're 0-16. How can you confidently go into next season saying, okay, we can move on and be a successful franchise with Sam Darnold as our quarterback? What has he shown you besides the Cowboys game and maybe flashes of plays here and there or the Raiders game too, where, you know, we have full confidence that Sam Darnold's going to be the franchise quarterback here. And granted, I feel bad for Sam. And I really want, want him to be our franchise quarterback. I've been a Sam, you know, defender and believer, but, enough is enough at this point. Trevor Lawrence is a generational talent. Some scouts think he's going to have a higher grade coming out of college than Andrew Luck did. How are you going to pass? Andrew Luck, even though really, you know, didn't win anything, still made the playoffs, still, you know, improved the Colts. He would still be a, you know, a top 15, top 10 quarterback in the league if he didn't retire at the age of whatever he did, 20 something. But are you confident that Trevor Lawrence is going to step in day one, make the Jets better, even Listen, if they have the same cast of characters that they have this year? You can't expect you can't expect a rookie quarterback to step in week one and you know be a world beater. Yeah. The fact that Justin Herbert is doing it is kind of like an anomaly. Like that's not normal what he's doing right now. Like he looks like a beast, but that's yeah. like look at look at, again. We, they we have weapons this, though in Los Angeles yeah. again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but we talked we we talked about this when Sam Darnold was drafted. Look at Troy Aikman's first year in the league. What was he two and 14, 3 and thirteen? Yeah. Look yeah. at Peyton Manning's first year in the league. He he had a terrible record. Like we're not comparing the, our quarterback to these guys, and that was a you know a talking point for why you have to be patient with Sam. But these all time great quarterbacks had awful seasons in their first year in the league and turned out to be Hall of Famers. You can't expect a quarterback to come in here and be a world beater game one. Like look at no, Sam, I wouldn't expect him to. His first pass in the league. I wouldn't expect no that from Trevor. I wouldn't expect that from Trevor Lawrence either. The because is, go ahead, he's going to have insane expectations coming in here, but it's, it's going to be unfair. Like, like I say all the time, throw Josh out Josh too. Throw he's out far year far one of throw out rookie years of of
1: a quarterback. You, they, they're learning the game at that point. You got to throw out year one.
2: Look, but look at, Josh yeah. Allen's a great, you know example to look at the development of a quarterback in today's game horrible in year one i I wouldn't say horrible but he he was definitely not mediocre mediocre he was a little bit above average last year and now you know he's he didn't have a great game last night but you can see the development that he has had and the track that you need to take with a with a young quarterback Uh, he's there and the bills have provided him talent stefan diggs cole beasley john brown uh, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. I don't really think they have a tight end or I don't know the name, but you know, to decent cool. offensive line. Oh, no, no, not cool. No, no. It, it's a guy that, you know, he's a good example of the way a quarterback has to develop in today's game. And,
1: and the jets are the ultimate example of how not to develop a
2: quarterback. Well, you hired the worst coach in NFL history. Yeah. Like who else is worse than Adam Gase? Who else, who else is going to go down? I mean, you 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 look at Rich Cotite for the Jets. He's a, he's a worse coach than Rich Adam Cotite. Gase is worse. Who, is, who is, is a worse. worst head coach in league history? Like, who, who is a worst head coach? You want to look at Hugh Jackson? He went 0-16 and 1-15 or whatever he did in two or three seasons.
1: I'd still take Hugh Jackson over Adam Gase. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Come on.
2: Uh, may, yeah, maybe. Come on. Uh, Think about it, hey, It's really. just all bad. and The fact that we didn't talk about the Miami game really at all just proves to you how – irrelevant all this is like but
1: what is what is there to even really talk about you want to talk about how you know want to talk uh, we can't because there's so many storylines around the jets that are not football yeah, that has nothing to, to do with the, that has nothing to do with the game there's only so much we could talk about with an 0-16 team that has a legitimate chance at being the fourth team in nfl history to go 0-16 yep
2: but if it if in the end it moves the franchise forward it's going to be looked back on to be all worth it like the pain the pain we go through now like it's going to if it pans out and Joe Douglas, you know, Christopher Johnson actually allows Joe Douglas to do his freaking job uh and you know gets a good head coach in here you want to look at a Greg Roman, you want to look at Wink Martindale, you want to look at Eric Bieniemy, you can try and lure Lincoln Riley away from Oklahoma PJ um why well, PJ <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's PJ Fleck guy.
1: I'm just throwing names out there.
2: Yeah, you, you want to look at uh, Dable or Dabble or whatever his name is from Buffalo.
1: Jim Harbaugh. Um,
2: I, I, I don't know about that one. Just throwing names Um out I mean, you're a big Doug Peterson guy. If the Eagles Am. you know, go down the tubes and they move on from him. If Doug Peterson gets fired, he's my number one option. See, I don't know if – I don't – I don't know. There's part of me that wants an up-and-coming coach here and –
1: I, I don't Sala. know, Robert but it's all. Uh, well, yeah, jo- jo- that's a legitimate option. I mean, I can't deny Who? that Robert, Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator from the,
2: 49ers. See, he's, a, he's just a meathead. Like, is he a good head coach? Like, just because he lifts
0: weights doesn't mean he's a good head football coach. You want an up and coming head coach? Oh man, yeah. No. You, you no. don't know any of these guys are good head coaches. You don't, and
2: you don't know if Robert Sala is either.
0: You're right, just but because he has he has I the energy like, to be. You could see you. Could, okay, you have we have no energy on the sidelines right now. Look at that jet sidelines. Everyone right. sits down. But nobody, just he nobody lived,
2: waits and works out. Looks like a football player doesn't mean he's going to be a good head coach. But the fact that he's your number one option, he, I would take Biennial Martin Dale Greg I would take Roman too. Brian Dable uh, Joe Joe re-
1: Joe. Realistically, is Robert Sala your number one option?
0: He's probably number two behind the enemy.
2: Really? I, I, that, I don't think that would get me excited. Yeah. If the enemy came in here, I think Dable's a good op, You know, a good uh, one to look at just because of the way he has developed Josh Allen. Um,
1: I think you seriously have to take a look at Greg Roman, too. You have to look at relationships, too. That's why I say Doug Peterson, because Philadelphia ties with Joe Douglas, also the Baltimore ties with Greg Roman in, in Baltimore. Um, we all he,
2: their defensive coordinator, right? In
1: yes. Baltimore? Yes. So you got to, you have to look at all options too, but you got to think about this too. I know Eric B is the hot name, but is he, uh, he's going to be a head coach someday, but does he really want part, to come to the jets? Does he really want to come to the jets? I mean, the, I, I think are, if you, for one, I'm sorry, Scott, but the, for one, the jets are cheap on paying head coaches. They're going to have to pay Eric B a whole boatload of money to come coach the jets and leave Kansas city.
2: You know, I'm going to defend Christopher Johnson here for a second. I think he's committed to getting good guys in here because you look at the contract he gave to Joe Douglas. He he gave a six-year contract and he paid him very, ni- very uh, nicely to be the GM of the New York Jets. He needed to pay to lure him away from Philadelphia in a good situation there. I don't think Christopher Johnson is going to be uh, shy or is going to be shied away from a head coach based on the money that he's willing or he's asking for unless it's like something just like just, you know, stupid. Like then we, have to look, we have to look
1: at what happened with the Gase hire, too. Again, different because McCagnin was here. But what about the whole narrative that the Jets didn't like when the Jets were looking at Matt Rule? They didn't want Matt Rule guys in here. They wanted to place other assistants with Matt Rule that maybe he necessarily didn't want. The Jets can't make that same mistake
2: twice. Well, I think you know Christopher Johnson. You want to look at it. He's a first-time owner. He's been an owner for three years. Yeah. He never went through a coaching search before, and I think you know Mike Mcagnan again horrific GM. Joe Douglas knows how to build. Hopefully, knows how to build a coaching staff and an organization and a football team. I I don't. I think Christopher Johnson learned valuable lessons. He's he already came out and said that he regrets firing Mcagnan when he did. I, listen, I'm not a Christopher Johnson defender or anything like that, but I'm just looking at this from you know the. You big have to get you era. have to give him his props from what he, he can't be like, that dumb where like. he like you know because you look at Matt Rule, Matt Rule's offensive coordinator for the first year. I don't forget his name already. You know Joe Brady. Yeah, looks like a head coaching candidate. Like, I I I think that you know Christopher Johnson, whether he's a good owner or not, I don't think he's dumb. Like, I don't think he's a dumb man. Like. I think he's a guy who will learn from his mistakes. He seems like, you know, he's not a guy. He doesn't seem like Woody, where Woody is always right. I think Christopher Johnson is a guy who will admit his mistakes. I mean, he already did to McCagnon. and, you know, he will learn valuable lessons from them. Again, I'm not a Christopher Johnson defender, and, you know, I'm not a fan of the Johnsons, but I don't think Christopher Johnson is a dumb man. I think he will learn from these mistakes, and I think, you know, you already saw step one in bringing Joe Douglas here because he sees the vision that and, you know, the opportunity that Joe Douglas has to build this franchise the right way. And yeah, I, I, I don't think that, you know, we're going to have another, you know, major catastrophe here in the head. Unless we, they bring back, you know, like Bill O'Brien or Dan Quinn and bring him then one of those guys in here, then, you know, we might as well just chalk it and, you know, send the Jets in for liquidation at this point as an NFL franchise.
1: But, I, know you say, I know you say Christopher Johnson's not a dumb man, but he did compare Adam Gase to Wayne Gretzky.
2: That yeah, that is pretty dumb. Some of this <laughs> is dumb, but I, I think he also – that's just media talk.
0: Yeah.
2: But yeah. if he doesn't fire him, if we lose like 38-10 against the Bills and doesn't fire Adam Gase, I don't know what else you need to see. I also – I already don't know what else you need to see, but – What's the point of waiting to the buy unless they're really in for tanking and like, oh, if we keep Adam Gase here, we're guaranteed 0-16. Then it's just a great, fantastic, you know, strategic move. That's but. what
1: That's what I said, I think it was last week or two weeks ago. You know, might as well keep Gase at this point if you really want to go 0-16. But I'm sick and tired of looking at this guy. I, I just I, – I'm sick and tired of him not talking to players because we know damn well he doesn't relate to any of these players on the roster. The fact that it took like – what four minutes left to go in the game for him to go over and talk to Joe Flacco. Like that shit's just unacceptable, man. It's unacceptable. He's never been a good head coach. He'll never will be another. He'll never, he'll never get another job in the NFL. That's for sure. Maybe as a coordinator, who the hell knows. But I think that's all really we have left to say about the jets and the giants. I guess we'll take a break. When we come back a little bit of Yankees talk as the Yankees close up the season with ending remarks from ownership, Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone. Little Knicks going on for the first time this year, and uh, I believe the Rangers actually re-signed uh, Georgiev Joe. So if you want to touch on that, we could uh, we could talk about that if you want, and then uh, we'll finish like we always do, Funnel phonics with Joe, and Tri-State Sports So don't go anywhere; we will be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Tri-State Sports Beat. Uh, I just wanted to, we just wanted to touch a little bit on the season closing remarks from Yankee ownership. Brian Cashman and, and uh, Aaron Boone. So, you know, of course, a disappointing season ending for the Yankees in the ALDS against the now American League representative of the World Series, the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, Hal Steinbrenner was asked if Brian Cashman has free reign money-wise going into free agency, and I kind of have a feeling like this comment here is going to set the stage for what it's going to be like when the Yankees are in free agency. So Steinbrenner said it depends on what kind of money is going to be required to be spent. We sustained significant losses this year, more than more so than any other team in baseball. It's been a crazy year, but we're going to have to see what we really feel we need and what that's going to cost. And we'll go from there like we do every year. Um Scott, your thoughts to what Hal Steinbrenner had to say a little bit to the media?
2: I mean, it's understandable that they took, you know, more more losses than any other team in baseball just because the Steinbrenners don't have any other outside businesses other than the Yankees. Like, their one source of revenue is the Yankees. Uh, If you look at, like, Stevie Cohen, he has, like, you know, his hedge fund stuff. And, you know, he has other sources of income outside of the baseball team. Um, you know, a lot of owners have like real estate outside baseball and stuff like that, but the Steinbrenners are not that those owners, they only have the Yankees. So I can understand it. I mean, I, I still, you know, I'm not one, you know, I don't like when people say like, or like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, it's not your money. Like that kind of stuff. Like you have to understand it in, in a certain way, but the Yankees are the most profitable team in the sports franchise in the world or like one of, mm-hmm. I think, you know, if Hal Steinbrenner showed a commitment to spending in the previous off-seasons, like you look at Corbin, Machado, Harper, did bring in Garrett Cole, like granted, you know, for like a record-breaking contract gave to Garrett Cole, a credit, you know, there is due. But, you know, we're the New York Yankees. Like, they should be able to go and spend money. I think if they get some sort of reassurance that there will be fans next year, I mean, the Yankees make some of the most money for ticket sales as, you know, any other team in baseball, just because, you know, the Yankees fans, you know, pack the stadium and the stadium is one of, you know, the most highly uh, have one of the highest capacities in the entire league. If they had some sort of reassurance that fans were going to be back next year, I think he'd be a lot more willing to, you know, uh, spend money, but, you know, uh, step number one has to be to re-sign D.J. LeMahieu. And I forget who reported it. It really didn't gain much traction, I don't think. It was from an, it was from an SNY uh, story, I think. But it was reported that the Yankees might only go three years, $20 million per year for D.J. LeMahieu, and that might be their stopping point. And if that happens, he might be on a different team next year. So if re-signing D.J. LeMahieu means they have less money to go out and spend somewhere else, you know, it's unfortunate, but, you know, that, things have to be done here. Like, D.J. LeMahieu cannot be not brought back. Um, I think the Yankees will make a big trade this offseason. Um, whether, you know, I think you would have to involve Luke Voigt in some way because I think they'd be looking for a shortstop. Do they trade Luke Voigt and bring back Didi? I don't know. Um, I think they'd be a lot more intrigued to trade for a Lindor then bring back Didi. I mean, I'd love Dede. I, I said, he's my, been my favorite Yankee in the past, you know, however many years, but it's going to be an interesting off season. There's so many, you know, different unknowns, uh, you know, Trevor Bauer, who knows that he's doing, you're not going to be able to track anything that comes out of his camp because he's, you know, trolling everyone saying, oh, well, you know, this team needs starting pitching and he's going to do it for every single team. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, but this team needs starting pitching help. I think that'll mean I think they're going to be mainly more active on the trade market than they are going to be in free agency. Unfortunately, um, I don't know if bullpen help is out there in trades. I mean, you looked at the Brewers trying to trade Josh Hader, or you know, not trying to trade, but fielding offers for Josh Hader in the off season or uh, at the trade deadline. Uh, I don't know what it would take to pry him away, but that would be one heck of an addition to a bullet to the bullpen that needs some sort of improving. It doesn't really help that middle, you know, section because haters, another closer, we already have two of, t- kind of two of those with Britton and Chapman would be another, you know, set up closer kind of guy. So I don't know if he really fits this uh, this bullpen, but it, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Britton because they have to pick up that 2022 option this year. He can opt out and become a free agent. So like I said, I think the trade market's going to be the biggest thing for the Yankees this off season. I think Cashman's going to have to get, you know, uh, a little creative in the way that he acquires players uh, just because I don't, I don't know if Hal Steinbrenner's going to shell out the money where he's been hesitant to in normal years, let alone a pandemic year, but we'll see how, you know, how fed up he is of losing in the ALDS and the ALCS and not coming through uh, uh, in the most important times.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm looking at what Hal Steinbrenner said. I agree with everything you said for the most part. Um, to me, it's got letdown written all over it. Like if you're a Yankee fan and you're thinking, "Oh, they're gonna, they're, you know, they're gonna spend a lot of money, like they always do. They're gonna be in top notch for free agents." Like uh, I understand these circumstances, but if this means not resigning DJ LeMahieu to $20, $25 dollars a year, a year, you know, whatever the contract may be, considering that Robinson Cano is the highest-paid second baseman in the league. Really should tell you something, and again, not being in the mix for, f- for top free agents, uh, like it's going to be hard sell for the fans. I think because you know the Yankees are this team every single year. After the big names, they're in the mix. You know, if they don't get them, they're in the mix. They're in talks with the biggest top free agents every single year, no matter what position they play. But again, I understand the circumstances. It's it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for a lot of people in this country because of COVID, but. Again, if this means not re signing DJ LeMahieu, again, you said the cat, you said, you know, reportedly that the cap is $20 million a year. I don't think, I I think more than likely he's going to end up on another team because he's going to want to be paid more than Robinson Cano. The fact that Jed Lowry, who never played a game for the New York Mets, is the seventh highest paid second baseman in the league, that tells you what DJ LeMahieu should be getting. DJ should be getting well over $20 million a year. And I guarantee you, he's going to get it from somebody, but again, not being in the mix for top free agents this year, it's going to be hard to sell the fans on. It really is. All right. So that's really it from, from Hal Steinbrenner, moving on a little bit to Brian Cashman who spoke to the media for like an hour, two weeks ago was two weeks ago or or last week. Uh, Just some little cliff notes. He, when he was asked about the game two decision with happen, Garcia, He stands by the decision, reiterates that it's a collaborative effort. Um, He went on the tangent about how Boone is not a puppet and that he has managerial freedom. He can only make suggestions and he can do what he wants with those suggestions. Uh, They also, Boone and Cashman both agree that the season isn't a failure. And he believes that the Yankees have a championship roster. He didn't really talk too much about impending free agency and all that stuff. But obviously, Brian Cashman has been the head of the New York Yankees, president and, and GM of the Yankees for many, many years now. He's good at his job. I'll give him that. But you can't say, you can't sell the fans either that this season was not a failure. You cannot sell them that. Like they get this 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 year was World Series or bust. Do the Yankees have a championship roster? The lineup certainly is. The lineup on paper, the lineup is but the, now we look at the bull we look at the rotation the bullpen and now we have questions but I, I know he's trying to stick up for Aaron Boone too and say that he's not a puppet but let's be honest here Aaron Boone was brought in because Joe Girardi fought back against Brian Cashman and Joe Girardi was a good manager he's an old school manager and he did things his way the Yankees brought in Aaron Boone because he's a yes man like let's just let, let's not kid ourselves here Uh, We don't know if Aaron Boone's a good manager because he's put in this kind of position where the Yankees have to make collaborative efforts in order to be somewhat successful. And it's just the fact that, you know, you don't see this in football, GMs making decisions that the head coach should be making. This doesn't happen in any other sport. Like, why does this have to happen here? And the fact that Brian Cashman said about analytics that, you know, every other team uses them, but when we use them, it's bad. And, well, I'm paraphrasing, of course. You know, we get criticized for them. Well, yeah, we get you get criticized for them because some of the moves that you make are just horrendous and don't make any sense. Like, he have every right to criticize the analytics team and that the Yankees have become this analytic-driven team where to the point you want to rip your hair out because you don't let somebody go 3 or more times through the rotation through the through the lineup or whatever. This guy can only pitch against this certain hitter. Like can we stop and just play baseball? Like I know I sound very old fashioned here, but I'm not the only one. Take the analytics out. I'm like maybe not completely out. Like analytics are good for some things, of course, but can we let the manager manage and let the general manager just freaking sign the players and and trade and make trades like it's just ridiculous what's happened here, and I and now that I think more about it, that's the main reason the Yankee I think the Yankees got rid of Joe Girardi. Uh, you just you can't fool me that the game two decision was a smart decision and everybody believed in it. If Aaron Boone was a smart manager and an independent thinker, he would have said not really loving that. And then he and then Cashman was so ready. With you know, bringing that up, oh, that uh, Jay Happ pitched this many times out of the bullpen, you know, in the playoffs in his career, and he's only started, he's I think he had like 15 career postseason appearances, and only four of them were starts. Cashman was ready to answer those questions, but it doesn't matter, it didn't work in that position. Jay Happ is not a relief pitcher, it, d- it didn't work, fair and simple. The analytics were wrong, like can we just admit that it was a wrong decision, like he reiterates, it was a collaborative effort. It was a bad collaborative effort. It didn't work. But stop standing by it. Like, I just don't get how you stand by something like that. And the fact that Aaron Boone has ma- managerial freedom is, is is ridiculous to me. It's laughable almost because it's not true.
2: I don't believe it to be true. Listen, you know I'm not a fan of the, uh, the analytics, so. Um, yeah, it's uh... – I don't really I think you had it all you know with the nail in the head there because it is a failure. Like they don't want to say it isn't or it is because who knows why. But this team coming into this season, American League favorites, uh, and you don't even get out of the ALDS and honestly, let's be let's be honest, they were they were in danger of not making the playoffs at one point in the regular season. They went what, 33 and 27? that's not good enough for a team of this roster and you need to jazz it up somehow you need to get you need to acquire some players here i think you know i'm always a big fan of managing like you know with the feel of a game don't you don't have to go by the book what what part of the book tells you that mike ford in that situation is the right person to trot up there to to pinch hit for Higashioka? like uh, uh,
1: we're pretty much on the same boat there, partner pretty much the same boat and then one thing from Aaron Boone, the fact that he said that we are close. Like, when did close ever become good enough for the New York Yankees? If George Steinbrenner was alive, he would have he flipped out that Aaron Boone said we were close to winning a World Series. We're on the cusp of winning a World Series. When did that ever become good enough for the Yankees?
2: Let's be honest. If, if George Steinbrenner was still alive and he saw Aaron Boone trot up uh, Mike Ford there to pinch hit. Uh, Aaron Boone wouldn't have uh, managed the ninth inning.
1: George Steinbrenner would have been in that dugout and taken Aaron Boone by the ear and dragged him out of the dugout. Since when did close become become acceptable for the Yankees? Uh, as far as I'm concerned, that has never been the case up until Aaron Boone just said this. I'm not going to take it completely out of context, but we're close. We're close. We were close in last year. We were close in 2018. We're close in 2017. When is that good enough? When has that ever been good enough? Come on, man. Enough of that. Again, we're not the biggest Aaron Boone fans here, but like, come on. Come on. All right. Anything else you need to say about that?
2: No, I think we hear it all.
1: Yeah. All right, uh, we're going to talk Knicks for the first time in a while. Well, I will, and, Scott, you can comment how stupid the Knicks probably are. But, of course, the, this is the time of the year that the New York Knicks are getting my hopes up again, even though I know that I shouldn't. Because, uh, first, for one, as far as the NBA draft goes, it's a, uh, it's not a good NBA draft. I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, who knows what the Knicks are going to get. Uh, I, I don't really care. But LaMelo Ball confirms having a pre-draft Zoom meeting with only the Warriors and the Knicks. Obviously, this is the guy that I want. I've said this before, but let's be honest. Let's be real. He'll probably be gone by the time the Knicks pick because, you know, they have the wonderful luck of picking eighth when they have like the third worst record in the NBA. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, the Knicks will obviously have to trade up to get him if they really want him that bad. Uh, but the thing is, they don't have ammunition and assets to trade up. They're not trading and do not trade future picks in this draft because it's one of the weaker drafts we've seen in a long time. But, I mean, I don't know how you feel about LaMelo Ball or how much you really know about him, Scott, but, like, uh, this is really the guy I want. The Knicks probably aren't going to get him because he's, he's going to be gone within the top three picks, I think. The Knicks are going to have to do some work in order to get up there and get him. Uh,
2: yeah, I don't know. The, the Knicks, I think it's just hard for them because this draft, like you said, is kind of just not exciting. The crapshoot. Like... I, that guy from is the number one pick, right? What, what's his name? Anthony? Anthony Wiseman? No, it's Jonathan Wiseman. Uh, I don't he know. went to Memphis. Don't know. Uh, yeah, I like. Yeah, I, I don't really know what to say because <laughs> this this draft is just so bad. Like it is. Like you have Obi Toppin. Who? What yeah, are you gonna
1: do? What are you, what are you gonna
2: do <laughs> after the first five picks? This draft is just like. A crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. I don't really pay attention to the draft all that often for the NBA because, one, the Nets always seem to trade out Mm -hmm. of their first-round pick. And they didn't have first-round picks for a while. So, you know, (laughs) the NBA draft is kind of irrelevant to me. Um, The Knicks have just continued to mess it up. So uh, that's all I really know. I mean, Kevin Knox doesn't seem like that was a very good selection. Uh, R.J. Barrett, the the, uh, decision can't be made yet about that, but. I don't know. But
1: I think because the draft is so bad, I think they're the Knicks are going to have to do some real work in free agency. And of course, my number one free agent is probably everyone's number one free agent. That's Fred Van Fleet. And now I read recently that the Raptors prepared to offer him a four year, $80 million contract. He's my number one free agent. Let's be honest, he's not coming to the Knicks. So I'm going to get my hopes up again. Uh, the Knicks are, you know, if they want him, they're going to have to shout out the cash. And why would he leave the Raptors when he's basically the star there, one of the stars there, and they're a consistent playoff team. But I like Van Fleet. I think he's a very good spot-up shooter, and he's the point guard the Knicks could really, really use. So now going off to this wild trade rumor that has just, of course, gotten me so excited that I I really don't know if I want this to happen or or I don't. I I don't know. But apparently the Houston Rockets – would look to deal Russell Westbrook. Okay, (laughs) Naturally, the New York Knicks are in conversation and would be one of the teams that maybe could land Russell Westbrook. Now, when Westbrook was being shot from OKC, the Knicks were one of the desired spots when Oklahoma City was dealing him. I don't believe if that... I don't know if that's true, but I'm just going off of what I read. I know better to get my hopes up Uh, For one, I don't know if I love this idea because for one, he's not the same player he was in Oklahoma city. He's been a liability on defense, especially last year. And with Tom Thibodeau's defensive mentality, hard nose kind of rough and tough kind of attitude, that's probably not going to fly. And again, Russell Westbrook's, I think he's made for a one man show. And that does not help the Knicks young talent, Mitchell Robinson, RJ, whoever they draft in this draft. And, you know, and his big personality for New York and plus his, plus the New York media could be a potential disaster because if he like, like I choose to imagine the post-game press conference him snapping on Knicks media members and it being all over the New York post and New York daily news. And I just shake my head in sorrow and go, why the hell did this happen? But listen, you bring in an all-star caliber point guard, You know, he still has a lot to offer. I wouldn't be opposed to the idea. But, for one, how much will the Knicks have to give up? They probably have to give up Mitchell or RJ or or a buttload of draft picks. I don't know. And I really don't think the Knicks are in a position to be giving up draft picks at this point in the rebuild, if you want to even call it that. But how much will the Knicks be giving up? Will Russell Westbrook, you know, be better off in new york the media capital of the world and we've seen russell westbrook's uh, outlandish you know things with the oklahoma city media this is one of the smaller media markets in the world things that he's done and have gone viral on on everything but the more the important thing is if you bring russell westbrook into new york will other star players want to come play with him that's i think that's the number one question because you know The apple of everybody's eye, I'm not getting my hopes up for this either because it's not even going to happen. Don't even, you know, tell me that it is. The the apple of everybody's eye, Giannis Kumbo is a free agent next year. If the Knicks bring in Russell Westbrook, will other stars like Giannis or whoever want to come play in New York with Russ? Scott, am I just delusional at this point? Like, uh, because we don't talk a lot of Knicks on here in the offseason. Am I delusional? Am I stupid for even thinking that this idea might even come to fruition? Uh, The Knicks, I I don't even know. I don't know.
2: I, I mean, I don't think it's a good idea. I mean, coming from a fan of the Nets who saw um, Sean Marks build this the right way, trading for a star where you'd have to trade Mitchell Robinson, R.J. Barrett, Kevin Knox, maybe Frank finally gets out of here, uh, probably draft picks involved. I mean, you look at the deal that the Clippers got for, uh, or the Thunder got for Paul George. Like, yeah, maybe Russell Westbrook isn't on that level. But you'd have to give up like your entire future, whether it's picks or players, to get Russell Westbrook. Is it really worth it? Like, oh, you're gonna get Carmelo back to fill that other oh. to fill that other spot. Like, listen,
1: all right, all right. I love Carmelo. If he comes back, I'll be happy. I can wear my mellow jersey again. But if they so dare bring Chris Paul here and have to trade for Chris Paul, <laughs> I will throw. I will come on here and throw a fit. I will.
2: All this sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. Like, people are going to be fired up that Russell Westbrook will be here, and, yeah, maybe the Knicks will be a little bit more competitive in a, you know, you could say improving Eastern Conference. Um, I don't know. Seems like a disaster to me. I don't. Are you going to find other, like, you know, role-playing veterans to come in here? Probably, because it's the Knicks and they have Russell Westbrook. And,
1: i Oh, got Taj Gibson. He'll start.
2: Yeah, oh. but yeah. – Veterans have been weary of playing for Tom Thibodeau in the past, just because of the the way he coaches. He's a very hard nosed coach. He's not a player's coach like what's very popular in the league right now. Mm. Are veterans going to want to come and play for him when he's you know not the easiest guy to play for? Uh, I don't know. It, it, let's be honest. A deal like this isn't going to happen for the next because I think you know uh, I forget your GM's name. The the Scott. Former- Yeah. Well, who's the other guy they just hired?
1: Oh, Leon Rose, the president of operations.
2: Yeah. I don't think they'll be that dumb to make a deal like that and trade away. I don't think it's going to be a uh, um, Billy King sort of deal here where you ruin your future for Russell Westbrook and no one else. But I don't know. It's the Knicks. anything could happen. Maybe James Dolan wants to make a big splash. He's tired of having no names on his team. Uh, who knows? I mean, Russell Westbrook would, you know, be a big superstar in, in uh, New York. He would create some, you know, big headlines with Durant versus Westbrook and everything like that, but the Nets would still destroy them because the Nets are actually a well-run organization, unlike the Knicks. And I'm sure Knicks fans will get all uptight about that. Oh, we have a great arena. Congrats. You have a good arena. Good. That's that's really something to hold your hat on. In, Joe, in, Joe,
1: are gonna, Joe, are you Joe? Are you going to stick
2: up for the Garden? Where's <laughs> Joe? They, Joe here. <laughs> they they have a horrific team, but you have the best arena in sports. Good. Congratulations. <laughs> Good. Good. I'm, I'm happy for you. You have the mecca. That isn't even really the mecca anymore, because what important basketball game has happened there in the past? Five the, years.
1: the Big East tournament every year. That's
2: that's, that's the most <laughs> high profile basketball you'll get in the Garden right now. Is the, the Big East
0: freaking tournament? The reason it's the mecca of all sports is mainly because of ice hockey. It's, there's no right. there's it's no basketball that's been played there. What all right, so it's no hockey? legitimate, yeah, no legitimate basketball. All right, I mean, The, the all Knicks right. in
2: the in the Knicks in the past were legitimate. Yeah, yeah. In the but past, now, not yeah, so much.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. Alright, Joe, you
0: want to touch on the re-signing of Georgiev real quick before we break? Yeah, I mean it's I I like the signing, obviously. Georgiev's played very well for the Rangers. Um another signing that they had was D'Angelo, so that's cool. I like D'Angelo. Um I think he brings a, a little bit of spunk to that uh to that team that definitely needs some spunk. Um, especially with the with the departure of Mark Stahl um he's a rough and tumble type guy I like that and for upcoming players it's it's only going to make them better as well um but back to the Georgiev thing I think it's going to help she's develop a little bit uh Georgiev was basically the backup that kind of started a majority of the games last season or split time with Lundquist uh last season so I mean he had more more uh Learning under one of the greatest goaltenders to play, and it's only gonna it's only gonna help develop Shostakin in, into something even greater than his uh, than his current situation. So, so I like you see, I like the resigning.
1: So, do you see Georgiev being a backup or
0: no? I see I see him starting this season, um, having Shostakin. Maybe they'll split games, um, but I see jo- Georgiev being. starter for the foreseeable future until we really know how Shisterkin um, is developing because we've only had what, one year with him. So at least in the NHL, one, one ish year with him. So development of goaltenders is, is something that you really have to keep an eye on. It's not something you just want to throw somebody into the fire with. So I think Georgiev will be the starter for the majority of the season. And depending on performance, Shisterkin might see some ice time. All right, so that's really a
1: little little Rangers there, a little Yankees, a little Knicks as the NBA offseason will get going. All right, we will break when we come back. Fomophonics with Joe and
2: Tri State Sportsbook. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Tri State Sports Beat. This is, I guess, the more fun section of the show where uh, we get to laugh at it. Joe's incapabilities of speaking the English language. And we. Uh, <laughs> Pull things out of left field to make some picks on. Uh, Nick, was it you last week that bet on the uh, UEFA, Euro, whatever, Nations League and bet on South Sudan or whatever? Uh, Yes. (laughs) uh, Can somebody get the score uh, for that for me real quick? I want to see how that turned out. (laughs) uh, Which which side did
1: you take? Do you remember? I took a draw. I took a 1-1 draw or a tie, whatever. All
2: right, hold on. I'm looking it
1: up. South Sudan and I forget. forget. We don't keep track of these –
2: when I type in South Sudan, sports are nowhere in the picture. <laughs> it has South Sudan news, climate, flag, civil war, or population. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's oh, a boy. That's, that's
1: not good. I want to know if I was completely wrong or uh, – Let's, Let's see. I don't know. Oh, they played uh, Cameroon. It's a riveting matchup in case anybody cares. South
2: Sudan.
1: Versus Cameroon.
2: Cameroon.
1: I was probably. I guarantee you, they were they're blown out. Guarantee. Let's it. see. Let's see.
2: This website says they didn't even play the match. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So I guess if you, I guess if by the strange notion that you bet that game, uh, I guess you got your money back,
2: unless this this website's just broken. Oh. Um, <laughs> hold on. Looking on ESPN oh. full time. <laughs> nil nil.
1: It was right. Look at
2: that! <laughs> Look
1: at that! You bet. That was plus uh, plus three seventy five. I think. Wow. That was good money. Look at me. If only I did that. Well, my NFL picks. That'd be that'd be fantastic. If only Joe did that
0: on his NFL picks. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, oh. All right, all right. Even the, even the great <laughs> flip every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Well, Joe. You didn't, well, I
1: guess we'll talk about this on the on the picks segment. All right. So to make fun of Joe even more, it's time. Your favorite segment of the week, Fun with Phonics with Ranger Joe. Fun with Phonics with Ranger Joe. It's got a hard name. All right, Joe, I sent you the names, and here we go. All right, number one. This man is an American professional baseball pitcher who is currently a free agent. He played Major League Baseball for the Boston Red Sox, the Philadelphia Phillies. Arizona Diamondbacks and the Toronto Blue Jays. He made his debut with the Red Sox in 2007. His name is
0: Clay Buchholz.
1: Oh
2: man, what, Bush,
0: Bush- close. Buchholz.
1: No, sorry, that's not correct. It is Clay. Clay...
2: Yeah. yeah, Clay. Clay Buckholz. Buchholz. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still dying about this last name.
1: Buchholz. <laughs> Buchholz. Clay Buchholz. This this one um I this one might get a laugh out of somebody. All right, this next one. <laughs> Is a former, is a British former American football tight end. After playing college football at Morgan State, he was drafted by the New York Giants in the third round of the 2003 NFL draft. He caught a couple touchdowns from Brett Favre in his time with the Minnesota Vikings. His name is.
0: The Saintshi Shane Shane Cole? Oh,
1: okay. All right. Yes. Very good. I knew
0: Shanko. Is it, was the first name right?
1: Basante Shanko. Basante. Joe, I'll give you that one. You got the last name right. I'll give you that one. Basante Shanko. All right. This next one. American professional golfer who played on the PGA Tour. He won the 2012 FedEx Cup with a victory in the season-ending tour championship at East Lake Golf Club. After his victory, he moved to the top 10 in the official world golf rankings for the first time in his career. His name is
0: Brandon Nedeker.
2: Oh, no. No. <laughs>
0: Where do you get I, Brandon from that?
2: Brandon.
0: Brandt. Brandon. Oh, Brandon. No, it's Brandon Nedeker. Brant Snedeker. It is, okay. I was thinking the S was silent, but. <laughs> Brant Snedeker. Brant All right, Joe. I have a feeling I want to get this last one right. You think so?
1: <laughs> All right. Well, here's the ironic part I mentioned in the beginning of the show. This man was an American football defensive back who played college football at BYU and is professionally was played professionally in the AFL for the then New York Titans now the New York Jets, just in case nobody knew that, and the Boston Patriots. Joe, his name is... Dick Felt. (laughs) His full name is is Richard Felt, but we will accept Dick Felt. Fun fact, (laughs) following his playing career, Dick Felt sold a marketed Dick Felt, a felt penis covering designed to prevent chafing. He quickly went bankrupt.
2: Huh. <laughs> All right. That is incredibly ironic that he went to BYU.
1: <laughs> How crazy is that? I was like, this guy went to BYU, and his name is Dick Felt.
2: How amazing! As, as the guy's parents, you, you gotta you gotta be smarter than that. <laughs> Unless
0: they did it on purpose, <laughs> which you is something fast. I would absolutely do. His full name is
1: <laughs> his Full name is Richard Felt, but obviously his, they nicknamed it Dick, obviously. Come on. Yeah, now. it's
2: just easy. it just rolls off the tongue better.
1: Yeah, it does. Felt. <laughs> <laughs> <Take> that. <laughs> oh, that's
2: a good one. That's a good one. Joe,
1: very well, good. Is that the
2: best one yet? I think so. Uh, I think Dick so. Trickle's still an all-timer. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> what was the What was the other one of that that uh
1: um the, the Japanese, uh, the Asian tennis player uh, last week that none of us could pronounce, even though I put it on there. <laughs>
2: no, what was the, what was the other one with Dick Trickle? I don't remember. <laughs> I have to try and find it. <laughs> Joe, I, we always gotta give you one. Always gotta oh, give boy. you one. Now.
1: All right, let's end this thing. It's time for a Tri-State Sports Book. Kids with the catch. Show me the money. Winners, 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 winners. Joe, do you have your picks now? I do. So you can lead us off.
0: Okay. First off, a little bit of college action. I did. It, uh, breaking news: I did not take uh, Tulane. In oh Indiana. wow! Really? I okay. Didn't, didn't All right, hold on. the the uh, The one with Dick yeah.
2: Trickle was Steve Sharts. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, go back to your go back to your pick, sorry. <laughs> All right. So. I, I will be taking the point spread in the Arkansas State and Appalachian State. Yes, I said that on purpose. I hate you. <laughs> and Appalachian surprising, State. I'm surprised you pronounce Appalachian right. <laughs> uh I'm taking the point spread for Arkansas State plus twelve. Um Apparently it's Appalachian, but we'll we'll let it slide. Appalachian, Appalachian tomato tomato it's the
2: appalachian trail isn't
0: it potato tomato
2: yeah but i'm pretty sure they pronounce the college uh appalachian state oh, whatever whatever combs <laughs> <Luke laughs> is uh all of, is an alum from there really yeah there's your tri-state sports be a fun fact today luke combs alma mater appalachian state actually i don't know if he finished college there i don't know if he finished college but he did go there he didn't need to he's fantastic
0: yeah yeah all right go ahead John. um Second one, I will be doing a total points in the Syracuse and Clemson game over 61 and a half, I think is Clemson is Clemson putting up eighty? Clemson <laughs> will be putting up sixty-two. Okay. Right. Um and then I will be going to the UFC where Habib and Justin Gainty. Gainty. <laughs> Justin yeah, Gainty. I can never I never remember how to pronounce it. Quite the name. list. Justin Gainty. 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 I will be taking the gainty money line in this fight. Just pack. simply just simply sim- simply because it is a plus two sixty. Oh my god. Uh, the, at the end of the day, my odds are plus one. Uh twelve hundred and I will be putting ten dollars down for a net value of hundred and twenty nine dollars and ninety six cents.
2: Scott, go ahead. Hey, we're going to dabble in the uh, World Series this evening. Oh. I'm going to take the Rays plus 150 money line. Playoff Kershaw will come out at some point tonight and the Rays, and Randy Orozarena will take advantage and hit a bam. So I will take the Rays plus 150. Uh, the next, I'm going into the Thursday night football game. And as much as we said the Giants have a chance, uh, I think the Eagles minus four is a good pick here. Um that is minus one ten for all of you listening at home. And the last one, I'm also taking Justin Gaethje. Uh, he he could he could uh prove to have some matchup uh, issues for Khabib Nurmagomedov. Uh, I shouldn't have said the last name. I should have let Joe try to pronounce
0: it. <laughs> Do you like how I didn't say? Yeah, that I name? <laughs> knew exactly what you were doing.
2: Um, but Justin Gaethje, watch out! One punch and Khabib could be night night. So, Justin Gaethje plus two sixty. So then the raise money line and the Eagles minus four. A ten dollar wager will net you one hundred and seventy one dollars and ninety cents. Wow,
0: very nice. No software right. lines here. All right. No, no,
1: no. All right. I will also head to some college football. Two college football, one UFC.
2: Please don't will... tell me you didn't take Syracuse.
1: I did not. I good. took the team that Syracuse played this past week. Southern Miss Liberty. at Liberty. I'm going with Liberty minus 10 and a half. Coming off that high against Syracuse. Going with Liberty minus That's 10 a good and bet. A half. Southern Miss is a terrible football team. Very good. Scott, you'll be happy to know. I am going to West Point. Good. I oh, will deal. take I will take Army minus 29 and a half. That's obviously not enough. It's not.
2: I mean, Mercer, I, I mean, granted, they only beat the Citadel
1: 14-9. But. I will take the Black Knights minus 29 and a half. I hope home. we don't have
2: a, a Mercer-Duke kind of situation here. Still has, it still haunts me to this day. <laughs> I think the Black Knights will cover just fine <laughs> at help. home
1: against Mercer. All right. Definitely, I just only hope they win, but for your sake, I'll hope they cover. Okay. All right. So I also dabbled in Khabib and Justin Gaethje, but I will go with Khabib. I will go with Khabib winning by a knockout TKO or a disqualification. That's plus 400 if you're listening at home, but I will go with Khabib winning by either one of those methods. So Liberty minus 10 and a half army minus 29 and a half and Khabib winning by a knockout TKO or disqualification, a $10 wager at a total of plus 1753 will win you $185 and 27 cents.
2: You guys I don't, really, think, guys I don't really think Khabib think he... has ever knocked anyone out.
1: Well, hopefully for TK ever
2: won by submission. Yep, well, so we can sure.
1: we well we can uh, he can we'll also win. TKO. TKO.
2: That's why it's plus 400. Understandable. I, honestly, I don't think that's a very good value bet considering Justin Geechee has like the chin of uh the crimson chin from oh. fairly odd parents. Here comes crimson chin. Everyone's got to go down eventually, right? I don't know. I mean, he fought Tony Ferguson and uh took some shots there and
0: that could, he, that almost, could he almost got knocked out
2: at the end of one round.
0: but That could be also the case for Khabib.
2: Yeah, Justin Gaethje has power. Power. There's a video on Twitter, actually. I think I liked it uh, before that um, has the sounds of Justin Gaethje's punches in an empty arena. You should go listen. It's violent.
1: Well, I mean, I took Cameroon and South Sudan. I was right about that, so I'm going right to at this too. <laughs> So I got Khabib with a KO, TKO, or disqualification. So feeling pretty good about that. Yeah. I'm shocked that you guys both took Justin Gaethje. I'm actually kind of surprised about that. Gaethje, whatever, Joe. <laughs> value. Yeah, I guess so. All right, boys. Anything else before we go? Apparently, Chick Fil A is a lettuce
2: shortage. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of big news, no? That's due good. to industry-wide challenges with lettuce simp- with lettuce supply, certain menu items, including salads, may be prepared differently or unavailable for the time being. We apologize for any inconvenience. Well, you're not a big lettuce guy anyway, really. No, I'm not. I just, you know, thought that was good to share. They okay. have a
1: lettuce shortage. Did we all? Did Did you guys also see the video? <laughs> of <laughs> wait, did you guys see the video? I saw it on Facebook where that guy was getting chased by a cougar.
0: I liked wait, it, it right before it was on the news. I did not see that. And I really don't it want to. I, feel like that'd be I liked scary. it on. Uh, I liked it on either Instagram or Twitter, and uh, the next day it was on the news. I was like, "Wow!" You
1: know,
2: I'm nuts. just going to throw this out there. Hold on. Let me let me you know. Circle back to confirm. Sure. Hold on. I just need Crazy. to. Uh, uh, let me just throw this out here. Joe does not follow me on Twitter. Oh wow! <laughs> what? Wow! There's no follows you've thing next to your name there Uh-oh. joe does what? not even follow me <laughs> on twitter wow we not that some... i tweet very often but <laughs> that's a wow oh breaking news here all right
0: all right wait hold on hold on because i have to go confirm this right now wow joe do you follow me on twitter he still has jamal in his profile <laughs> picture of this fraud he's that's also still his facebook uh, picture I, I, do, I do not wow <laughs> yeah. I f-
1: uh,
0: that's I'll, not good i hit i hit the follow button there there you go. Thanks. It. <laughs> I I swear I thought I followed you. That's wow, Joe. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. That's
2: tough. That's tough. What we go from lettuce shortages to calling out Joe about not following me. <laughs> no, I thought it was I thought it was funny that that guy, well, not
1: it's not funny that he was chased by a cougar, but like the, the fact that the guy was just like backing up slowly and he was like, Yeah. And then he was so scared, and then when it finally ran away, he's like, Yeah, get out of here. Yeah, I showed you. I'm like, dude, I would have pissed myself and would have been like, yeah, just acted like a little baby because a cougar was going to kill me. I'm pretty sure that cougar was flying, too. That thing, was, uh, that thing had, wasn't on any paws. That thing
0: was just... He, he was not happy. Apparently, do you know why that happened? Why? Apparently, he was walking on that trail or running on that trail, whatever, and yeah. he came across uh, the mountain lion's cubs or the cougar's oh. cubs. So, the Cougar was trying to defend the Cubs, but, yeah, so but that's, ter- that's terrible. Chase
1: the guy for six straight minutes. I would have been yeah. like, I I would either let that thing kill me or uh, I don't uh, know.
0: Yeah, I, w- I don't know what I would have done. Uh,
1: At that point. The
0: white flag? He's definitely, uh, yeah. he's definitely had some, uh, uh, what's it called, outdoor training.
1: Who would ever thought like? I would have done that. Who would ever thought you should record that on your phone too? Like I would be too scared to even pull out my phone and make sudden movements. I'd have been like, "Oh crap! Don't kill me, please." that's great. I thought I had to share that, but that was
0: oh a solid poster from the Jets. Oh, can
1: we talk about that too for a second? The poster. I'm happy happy I got my
0: series last year.
1: So bad, it's horrible. Just like them. Ooh, I'm on barstool because I was trying some. Funny to talk about. It's truly remarkable that Pistol Pete Maravich did not obliterate his testicles in this video. Maybe you guys should watch this. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he's wow. doing like a trick. Okay, hold on, I gotta watch this. Increase
0: your speed and
1: continue it's
2: about increase dribbling. Speed. Oh wow! Oh, Jerry Reinsdorf oh was the only owner to vote no of Stevie Cohen taking over the Mets. What a douche! Why would you just? Why would you not want that? What do you not like about Stevie Cohen? I don't I, I don't know. I, I feel like he's always been on the no. Oh well. He's less than thrilled about Stevie Cohen's impending arrival. I'm trying to find out why.
0: Oh, Dabo Sweeney and the New York Newsday reporter uh and a New York-based reporter, I'm sorry. Uh second consecutive week that they've uh, been in contact. Simply. There's a good
2: chance that Jerry Reinsdorf is going to vote against it because the two apparently have some sort of feud, likely about some rich person crap, likely over some real estate deal or something that my poor brain probably couldn't comprehend. <laughs> Who wrote that? That is from uh, Clem on Barstool. Oh. I had to censor that a little bit.
1: He <laughs> didn't have to. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I don't know why. I mean, I understand rich guys aren't always the nicest guys, but like, I don't know. Can we also mentioned that a guy named Blankenship is on the presidential ballot.
0: Not I Rod- not Rodrigo, unfortunately. No.
1: Don Blankenship, you have my full endorsement for president, sir. What All
2: does right. he stand for?
1: Uh, I don't, I don't know. Can't tell you. <laughs> He's a Constitution Party. He's number six on your ballot. I'm not a. Uh... Yeah, there we go. All right. Anything else?
2: I think we're, I think we're pretty much good, right? Now we've, uh, you know, this has been the the classic babble ending. Yeah, well, I think we're gonna end like this all the time now. I like this good babble ending. Yeah, all right, know, we can just throw things out that you know, like lettuce shortages. You know, yeah, doesn't right. have anything really to do with sports. We wouldn't talk about it in the normal show, but it's important things to comprehend when you're about to order Chick Fil A. Okay, sure
1: especially because Scott is a premium membership with the Chick Fil A. He's an avid customer.
2: Well, I don't, I'm not premium. I oh, you might as, well from. might as well I, be. Might as I well. Might as well be. Yeah, yeah. Give you the gold it's a, great, star. it's a great establishment. Their food is fantastic. I mean, you're not wrong. Listen, people that want to, you know combine their p- beliefs or whatever and they f- just eat the food just eat the food <laughs> why do we have to why do we have to combine their beliefs and food just eat the, just
0: put the sandwich in your mouth and enjoy it oh and just so everybody knows bleacher reports series of gridiron heights is featuring new york football this week so oh great, it's gonna that be on be, fire uh, that should be wonderful
1: playing on fire oh boy all right well i think that does it for us thank you guys so much for listening and sticking around if you don't already follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at tssb pod daily updates on all nine new york sports teams you guys know the deal you can listen to all of the podcasts on apple Podcasts, spotify iHeartRadio, and the radio.com app as well as any of your podcast platforms that you like to listen to and of course call us on our 24 7 tri-state sports beat fan line at 862-260-4315 and stay tuned for weekly bonus content including photo edits joe where the hell are you I know you're in school. I'm only busting your balls. Um, And as well as our weekly NFL picks. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Tri-State Sports Beat.
0: Namaste, and keep listening to the Tri-State Sports Beat.
1: Goodbye! It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Salt and pepper and heavy D up in the lumber sleeve, hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rapper like Mr. Magic Molly Mall. I love your corners, I'm happy so so. I love your corners, I'm happy so so. I love your corners, I'm happy so so.